Today is February 21st, 2023. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki, Naganago, Mekoche, Chestakom Aki, or Dekots Nagotine, Siku. Hi, my name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. My Denny lineage roots me in the land of the Great Bear Lake Tribe in Treaty 11. My name, Dekots Nagotine, Siku. My my elders would make fun of me and say you put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable, like Myers, um, just because I, I don't know how to say my language yet, and I'm hoping to. Uh, my people wore rabbit skin, so it's been referred to the land of the hair people. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Klinshotine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning many big dog town, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot Mokinstis as Michelle Elliott, an English name that has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellowman's Dene. Through my father, I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having a Canadian Indian Act and Post status card, which is a colonial construct by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous peoples' inherent rights. Indigenous two-spirit, or the Indigenous 2S LGBTQ plus community and Indigenous women are at the bottom of the Canadian socioeconomic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I share what I know as I walk down my red road. As a Dene woman who's attempted to run for harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, gave hours of volunteer time, left my home to travel to conventions just to vote on incomplete policies that still allow for incarceration, a denial of justice, a denial of health services, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples, I have work to continue, reports to advocate for, and attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. I think of all of this today, and I hope we honor the many Indigenous lives lost for this so-called country named Canada. I hope you see your role in the importance of stopping harm, and as a citizen, see your role in reconciliation and as a treaty partner. Pride should never just be one month, as it is important to understand the straight agenda and gendered violence was and is forced on these lands by Christian outsiders. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as the guest and honoring and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. It's important land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage all to introduce themselves with an acknowledgement of their ancestors, stories of displacement, and how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen of Canada, a refugee, or other land displacement, so we as Indigenous peoples know how safe you are to be around. If you don't know how to pronounce your local Indigenous nations names, won't say your pronouns, won't say your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen lands, won't acknowledge economic um, oppression that's been imposed or your role in reconciliation, I determine how safe you are to be around my community, my family and myself. Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101 because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties and lies taught today in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers and those who call themselves native Calgarians or whatever town you're from, show me that you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. Jesse Winty's book Unreconciled explains um, this perfectly as do many Indigenous authored books. Land Back is a movement that could save the planet from climate change created by colonialism, but that would be a part of treaty partnership, part of meaningful reconciliation and honoring global initiatives like the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. 
Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot, and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Satu Dene. My humblest apologies to Blackfoot and Dene elders and language keepers as I learn proper pronunciation. I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the opposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Gainai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed in 1877 with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley Chiniki Bearspod, Chiefs of the Stony Nations, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or questions. Also, giving a review helps whatever medium you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel. You can go and subscribe, or you can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. Oh, I'm really happy today. I have a, a special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself in your way? Absolutely. Uh, my name is Brown Eagle. Um, the, from uh, Treaty 4 Cree Nation out of Chapawais. I'd like to acknowledge that we're in Mich on Anishinaabe land from uh, the Anishinaabe people from Turtle Island. And uh, yeah, just uh, Indigenous entrepreneur out of Winnipeg, uh, Manitoba, and uh, just ended up moving here about roughly a month ago now and out here in Calgary. So thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, having me here. Yeah, really happy to be here. Now we kind of reconnected on TikTok and we were you were had this great TikTok that I'd love for people to kind of hear uh, the snaps of, but I'd also just want you to tell us what you're doing here in Calgary and, and what, what you're doing to help Indigenous sovereignty. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, yeah, my TikTok, I do a lot of education on blockchain technology and uh, digital assets and how that can be a great use case with uh, Indigenous core social issues. Uh, so yeah, like a little bit about myself, um, that what I'm solving is kind of the same issues that I went through as a little child. Um, I'm a 60 scoop survivor myself, and uh, I was born into uh, child family services out in Winnipeg. And uh, just growing up on my own, you know, um, grew up with like a very hard life, uh, trying to figure out who I was as a child. Um, I grew up with uh, a ton of uh, PTSD with all types of abuse, uh, being uh, different foster cares foster care homes hotels and stuff and uh just trying to really uh figure out who i am what my identity is and i felt like I'll, i never really belonged really with myself and just kind of uncomfortable right so um with that said just just really being i guess like a lost lost little boy in this in this world and being being uh introduced to the whole gang life and really took that in and uh figured like that was like i guess my my that's my the direction i was going Mm -hmm. And obviously, one thing led to another to, to being at, uh, going into prison for, for quite some time. Over a decade, I did in prison. And uh, just, you know, when I got released from prison, it was really hard. It was really hard because I, I, when I left the gang, the gang life, I felt like, you know, I was that little boy again, all, all on my own. And sure. that little abused boy, I didn't know really what to do with myself. And uh, one of the hardest things was it too is being 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 born into the foster foster system, not knowing who I was. Uh, you know everything's done for you. Um, you don't know how to communicate. You don't know how to uh, uh, you know this this colonial environment that's that's suppressed on us, and to be able to not take care of ourselves, to identify ourselves, or even practice our culture, 
and then being transitioned to you know the justice system for for a long time again and same thing the same routine but in those same colonial environments and getting out just to like i don't know how to have those social skills to communication skills or anything like that right yeah. to be able to get a job to get my ids to be able to have uh uh, a social life. So I ended up uh, communicating with a community leader out in Winnipeg in, a, in an inner city. And uh, he was doing a ton of stuff uh, that uh, I really adored and admired um, uh, in a community by helping out young men and exploited youth to be able to uh, uh, become a community helper and a, and a community leader. So I ended up helping out, you know, working for the last like two years first of my first of my release getting out and and helping out with helping other people and I kind of felt I was kind of putting myself back together and uh, that was kind of like my substitute of like this could be my family also right yeah. and just looking for that emotional uh, attachment looking for that 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 acceptance right to be part of you know something and uh, this one was actually a lot more positive right so I worked with an organization called OPK Okichika Kinemaxwin Kinemaxwin and it's uh, that means the young warrior uh, Ogitita's like warrior and Kenamatwin's uh, new life and Kenamatwin is a young warrior going into that new life right mm -hmm. so I was really uh, drawn with that 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 new lifestyle and uh, helping out others and you know helping out others kind of really helped me out also and kind of identified who I was and my purpose and to be able to uh, help out in, in this in the social service uh, and uh, community mm -hmm. and uh, it felt really in a very powerful position when these uh these youth these exploited youth that came up to me for guidance and to to be able to learn from my story and to be able to uh um have more opportunities uh to have youth under my under my supervision to watch and kind of gave me a really uh, powerful feeling and um yeah it just gave me a lot of opportunity i worked for the getting up getting a job at the hospital uh, as a sedvic worker community emergency department violence intervention program to be able to close those gaps with the resources and uh you know me trying to help out the youth and help out these individuals that are that are being released from the hospital predominantly a lot first nation indigenous people and they really suffered a lot from from getting ids and to be able to be accepted into these social service centers yep. and to be able to have that you know social network like that network to get back in the community yeah and uh, that was like one of my biggest barricades and like I'll do a lot of these uh, these paper based uh, applications to to like mental health addiction centers uh, shelters and you know the one of the big bar bar barricades that I've always challenged with was with is that like I would wait like three four even up to six months for this application to come back uh, from from it's just to see if they got accepted or not and the thing is that I would lose contact with my my client uh within like the day the same day so there was really a big barrier with with that to be able to uh um uh be able to help out help out these individuals right and uh to be able to get them like a uh uh the right credentials for these applications because you need id or some type of document to prove who you are or or even a proof of address and they, they a lot of them don't have homes to go to right and so they go one shelter to another to you know just repeated cycle and then eventually uh COVID happened COVID happened and uh, I was let go of all my jobs, unfortunately, and the lockdowns happened and just staying at home and not not be able to go in the community. And it kind of like, you know, the anxiety coming back. I grew up with a lot of PTSD. That's, that's kind of, I felt that was kind of sinking back in a lot, right? 
and um just really trying to figure out like i need you know i need something to keep me busy i need something to, to like i like volunteering i volunteer a lot in the in the community holding uh, men's groups for uh, felicitating men's groups and i figured out there's like not a lot of resources for for men but like lots for women right and i try to be that resource for the men and that was that was taken away from me also just because like the, the contact and the lockdowns and stuff sure and i was just just at home just figuring out like what can i do what can i do with myself and i really figured out uh how i like i got into crypto digital assets and uh i i, I was just kind of fell down a rabbit hole and i just figured uh found out that blockchain is the fundamentals of crypto and blockchain mm. and i just kind of fell ra the rabbit hole there and i found out the use cases of blockchain technology and with blockchain te technology i was really fascinated that like this type of technology can really help out in the community in the indigenous communities and how it can solve a lot of uh social issues with verifying who they are and to be able to support uh like high level stuff also like uh, self-governance, you know, like voting, all that kind of stuff, right? So with digital identity, I, I incorporated a, a blockchain First Nation company called Decolonized Capital out in Winnipeg. And to be able to have a, this technology to be able to support and verify individuals. So technology, blockchain technology is a open public ledger, a technology in the simplest forms that anybody can have access to it. And it's a technology that you can put information, data, or any other source of assets on that technology and be able to not alter it. It cannot be altered or it cannot be removed or you can add data onto it, completely removing corruption. And so then when you have this technology, it's obviously, obviously a trusted node. And then you're able to put your, your users on there and be able to have like indigenous people that's backed up by like a, a, some type of code and like be able to put our self-identity on it, just like how a treaty number is. We have a treaty number set upon us, including our next to kin, our status number, and it's like a thumbprint, right? And identifies who you are. Kind of same mechanisms, but we're doing it through technology now, right? So we'll be able to put our, our treaty number onto the blockchain to identify who we are, because you no longer need two pieces of ID, or you don't need that time-consuming um, applications to hear back you can just instantaneously figure out that's that individual so those are the mechanisms that i created with the software that i've developed and uh ended up coming here out in calgary for uh, the blockchain summit and uh i was really impressed with the forward thinking as much as i do here and the volume alone and the opportunity with other individuals with that are also into the blockchain you know in here in uh in uh um calgary the transparent conversation alone is like a nice uh, breath of breath air, right? It's like a it's 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 a good opportunity to have those conversations to be able to pick each other's brain, like what's working for for them and what's what's not working for us, so we can keep moving forward in this community. Mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, with 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 this digital identity. Um, there's a lot of like bitter bitter taste towards uh, digital assets, but you know, it's it's obviously because of human behavior that took that made it go bad right um digital assets didn't didn't fail it's the people that failed that technology and they used it for their own use cases but with with an indigenous blockchain uh a company you know i i i really strongly implement traditional values the seven teachings and the four directions into this technology and to be able to have an indigenous lens and an indigenous perspective 
to be able to help out the, the, the inner city, uh, the, the high level stuff, the self-governance, all that type of stuff with uh, the indigenous communities. Mm. So wow. that's, that's definitely where I'm at with that. Oh, Lee, that's amazing. So um, I had a conversation, I won't name him because uh, he's uh, went to jail for the wrong reasons. And he was talking a lot about um, digital sovereignty. And yeah. I, I was so sad that he had gone down the wrong road and ended up in jail because I'm like, the concept of it is what we need. Uh, so for example, you know, right now we have to like back on to tell us or whatever else in order to have any type of uh, digital medium at all. And, you know, that not is just a monopoly, but it, it's a real issue when it comes to real sovereignty, when it comes to Indigenous issues, because to me, um, you know, and geez, I got two things to say. First of all, thank you for breaking down how awful the social services system is, because um, I, I'm not joking, I'm reading the TRC, I read all the volumes, I read um, all the volumes of the MMIW report with with people. And I honestly don't think people are comprehending it. And I think that, you know, that that's the real issue that Canadian like you can read the reports, but they're not comprehending what they are. And to me, like we're talking about MMIW, like I don't want to assume anything about your mother, but in exactly what you described, you or a sister could end up I'm doing a vigil for simply because of the way the system has created this like when we say it's a pipeline of Indian residential school I don't think people really like get it I have seen the way social services interacts with my own family and how you know they, they have this small tiny bubble they want you to fit within and if you don't then you're bad right so it's not enough that we're told by society how bad we are um, as Native people, but then it's just continuing today. Like they see it as something in the past, not present. So first, I just want to say thank you for all of that. Now, back to what we were talking about with uh, digital sovereignty. Um, another concept that Canadians just can't seem to grasp is that there's over 600 nations just in Canada alone, right? Yeah. So we are the UN just already as the Indigenous people, and they see us as such a small minority instead of seeing us as the treaty partners that they have to be in partnership with, right? They're so busy just committing genocide and continuing genocide, they don't, they don't want to see the truth. And that's, we have over 600 nations. Now, you know, obviously, in order to be sovereign, we need sovereignty, right? And, and I hate the Indian Act. I wish we can get away from it. I wish we would empower ourselves to have two governance, like the crappy the stuff we have to do with the Indian Act, but then just our traditional governance, setting up our nations digitally so that we are not being corrupted by China, by Russia, by Canada. That's what I want to see. And I don't think people get that. They don't understand the gravity of that. Like, um, so my people, Yellowknife Dene, obviously that's the Indian Act name, but Satu Dene, they have their own treaty, a, a more modern uh, treaty with uh, the government. So I want to see them to have sovereign data, sovereignty when it comes to a digital medium. And I want that for all the nations, right? I want that for all the Treaty 7. I want that for everybody. So um, have you uh, started working with nations on this? Yes, so I got a few, I can't really share, share too too much about that, but yes, I do have uh, other nations that are very intrigued with this, especially with data sovereignty, Yeah. Uh, to be able to, like you said, to abolish the Indian Act and that, you know, 
it's it's the value that they I need to present to them and how do we deliver that value for our people, right? Sure. It's thoughtless stuff that technology, it's 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 like the banking system, like they don't trust it, right? And when you present something so transparent and something that you can have control with, these they already think they're already in that world. But when you show something to them, it's like, no, like clearly we're not living in that world. We, you know, it's a digital financial evolution right now. Mm. And First Nation people have a chance to partake in this this evolution while it's open source protocols. But it's not going to be like that forever, as we can already tell with everybody, like the government already jumping onto this technology. They're going to close these open source protocols and it's only going to be the rich man's game. You know, so an individual with myself to try to get our people in that industry, in that tech sector, to bring awareness and try to indigenize the tech sector. I see a lot of other nations, like foreign nations, building uh, a lot of their little groups of this technology and they're going to be profiting the same thing. We're going to be left behind again. We're going to be stuck with the Treaty Act, all this type of stuff. And we're going to have to adopt to their systems and to their adoptions. We're just so dependent on that. But yeah, we have a chance to be able to create our own systems, be reliant on our own currency. And it may be hard to understand, to grasp that kind of stuff, but we can rely on our currency, our own self-governance and data sovereignty with uh, asset management. So individuals like uh, companies can no longer go on our land and take more than what they're needed, right? What's great about blockchain is that, say, like, we can actually do a lot of asset management and we can put all our, like, say, gravel, right? Put gravel onto the blockchain. And if a contractor wants to buy that, um, we can see who's buying it, what's in the, what's being used for, and, and how much are they, they bought, because it's right on the blockchain. That's That's it. If if that contractor, we find out it's like a prison contractor that's going to make prisons and that First Nation says, well, I don't want to do that because, you know, it's going to be predominantly possibly locked up by First Nations. So we can actually stop that purchase moving forward and be make it used in a traditional way. So there's a lot of unique cases just like that, but also with like Saskatchewan with Potash. Potash is huge, huge industry. And to be able to hold these other individuals accountable, how much they're taking and what it's being used for. So we have these, like, I'm, I'm creating a huge ecosystem with a secure infrastructure with a lot of buckets that I'm filling, but to be able to present that value to the, the, the leaders and be able to uh, onboard their members onto our new systems and to be able to have our own world, like our own technical world and move ourselves away from not just like the Indian Act, but we have a, even a chance to be able to remove ourselves from the Canadian monetary system and have our own uh, assets and to be able to have it backed up, verified by assets on a blockchain and can have, live our own sovereignty instead of them creating the tools and instruments thinking they're helping us out, which they're not. No, exactly. And so I, I'm really like loving what you're saying because um, so my cousin, he does uh, like secure software. So he'll help like, you know, the Northwest Territories or or the Nunavut governments from um, you know, what is that malware when you get attacked by hackers and they, they want to like, um, want you to give them money in order to give you access. And then, you know, they're just like, going to keep doing it. So anyway, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so he does that, but I'm like, well, I want it the next level. I want next level where we're sovereign. Um, and, and then the other thing is too, is like, uh, we talk about reconciliation and to me, we, we're not even talking about, um, revenue sharing, like we just should be equal revenue right. sharing as well. Right. So, um, 
and we're, and we're not there, but at least your way, there's a, a possibility of not just equal revenue sharing, but also control because, um, you know, like I'm, I'm a big believer the Senate should only be natives and that they should be vetoing basically everything that Canada does until there's proper uh, revenue sharing. But, um, you know, we're not there. And that's an urban like colonial construct that's not a that's not nationhood so to me what you're talking about is so good for me um uh, one of the worries i have because i'm an urban native i see a lot of the predatory institutions going after our people our people go to pawn shops regularly right in the money marts and that so we're very used to predatory financial um institutions and one point in time i was trying to encourage our people to go to the banks and such but you know i how do I ethically do that when I know Royal Bank is the one that's funding, you know, the, the pipeline expansion. So contributing to MMIW, contributing to a lack of uh, resource sharing, uh, all that, you know, there, there's so much of it where it's like this, this isn't ethical either. And frankly, the, the capitalist system is not sustainable. It's an imposed economic system, blah, blah, blah. So to me, um, when you said crypto, even I kind of cringed. What do you say to people like me who cringe at cryptocurrency? Like, I'm like, I don't trust cryptocurrency because I, I see my own family members get all like down that road of, yeah, cryptocurrency, it's the best. And then they lost money. So what do you say to people like me who are like, we're already predisposed to so much trauma, so much economic trauma, so much uh, currency issues, financial problems because of imposed poverty and uh, jurisdiction of people who shouldn't have any jurisdiction over us, right? Like we're talking about so many layers of yep. intergenerational trauma when it comes to finances. And then, you know, trying to sell the idea of cryptocurrency. What do you say to people like me that are like, I don't understand the difference between the bad cryptocurrency and the good cryptocurrency? Good question. Very good question. I'm glad you, 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 you were reaching on that. So crypto, anybody can make crypto. Anybody can make a cryptocurrency with a utility back behind it, right? So what I do is I, I made a First Nation crypto with the utility of social goods, okay? What I want to do is minimize mental health. I want to minimize homelessness, addictions, all that kind of stuff with the utility of social goods. So I can go partner it up with with certain vendors like Goodwill, Value Village, uh, Wholesale Foods, stuff like that, right? And you can be able to utilize that crypto with these social goods instead of monetizing on it with, you can buy alcohol with it, you can buy drugs with it, you can't convert it into any other uh, other currency. So with that said, you, when you have your digital wallet, you can actually like say application fees, you know, it's like five bucks, but some indigenous people can't even afford that, right? So be able to utilize our our indigenous lens, like through indigenous lens and also having indigenous teachings behind our crypto to be able to buy like application fees, uh, buy hotels like uh, that, that they need to be able to stay for the safe night or some sort, like Fairmont or some sort like that, uh, safe spaces to felicitate themselves for like healthy uh, visiting spaces with 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 uh, families that are that are need to help transportation, right? Uh, the crypto that that people are so used to seeing is that it's a utility with um, be able to like stuff that we don't have no comprehension or don't no relation with, and it's be able to go on to the these exchanges and to be able to have a rug and pull like people can just take it. With ours, it stays in that ecosystem with the systems that I'm creating. You cannot put it on the exchanges and you cannot trade it. You can't monetize it in any way. It stays in our ecosystem for our people. 
which when you're onboarding to our systems, that's it. You can't you can't change it for anything else, if if that makes sense. So actually what you just said to me was community care. So there's yes. a concept that I'm hearing, like especially in uh, the activist movement, uh, bear clan type organizations that uh, really care about community care, right? And, um, and, and work within that ecosystem the best we can. We ask people to give us donations and, and uh, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But that money goes into, you know, food on the ground immediately to our homeless people, mitts, all the things that, that they need. So what I'm hearing you say is basically community care, a, a, a way for us to do that. And um, so what would be the difference between me investing in this than somebody like uh, Peace Hills, like a indigenous, right. supposedly indigenous banking. Right. You can't invest into ours because uh, it's going to stay into the ecosystem. If you invest to ours, that means it will leave that ecosystem and people can use it for wrong wrongdoings. It stays in our ecosystems backed by, I can't say too much, but it's backed by something that's going to keep it valued and to be able to uh, uh, keep that crypto inside our ecosystem, inside the infrastructure to keep the, the systems keep going, right? It shows that there's a lot of volume, shows that there's a lot of activity, and shows that the transfers from wallet to another, people are actually using it. The only way you can use it is if you're part of our world, part of our ecosystem, and to be able to use it for community-based uh, vendors, you know. It could be uh, moon, moon, uh, moon packs for, like, mothers. It could be uh, hampers. It could be transportation. It could be anything that has something to, to lift up our people. What I love about blockchain is that you can incentivize also for human behavior. So to be able to help individuals that say they graduated high school, you know, you can use that token to be able to incentivize them. Or you can be able to uh, have somebody that graduated from a mental health course or a distance course. You can actually incentivize them for that type of behavior. And that's one of the things that I would like to definitely pursue in, especially with uh, internal uh, collection on the reserves, right? To be able to, it's going to be hard to uh, replace a lot of the people that that's already making a lot of uh, Canadian currency, these colonial colonial money, and to be able to uh, um, replace that and make them do good stuff for our people, for our community, and to be able to incentivize them also for that type of stuff too. So, yeah, it sounds like we would immediately have to go to a traditional governance system to make that more of a healthy structure. Because, like the Indian Act, and I tell people it, in every one of my posts and every one of my stupid podcast how the Indian Act is not real governance it's imposed um, fascism and people don't understand it at all and then they get mad at our chief and council for being corrupt when it's not them it's the Indian Act so uh, to me um, this concept that you're bringing like this is the base that we need to move forward because before we would trade with each other we would meet we would we would do that economic trading but um, you know, they've obviously taken that away from us and our ability to move even. I mean, we end up in jail for the stupidest of things now. And uh, and our, our youth who are... Yes, absolutely. Uh, like, and and we, used to, we used to have this type of system back in the day before, Yeah, but it was taken from us, right? Yes. And then yes. we just adopted to these these colonial ways, right? Yeah. So this is like been around That's for a long time. Unsustainable, frankly. Yeah, it's just 100%. unsustainable. So we, we got to move away because... You know, obviously, we've lived a post-apocalyptic life, and we have to continue to do so. So we have to just get away from their bullshittery. There's no nicer way to say it. I, I, I just can't even like it because they they refuse to make significant changes. Like, for example, the law societies and this concept of uh, justice reform. Like, I 
I can't work in 2023, the TRC was released in 2015, the RCAP in 1996, they're not willing to change They're right. They just right. want to continue genocide. So we have to, we have to be smart about moving away from them and their system because they are not partners and they're not working on treaty obligations or reconciliation in any meaningful way. So we got to figure out how we're going to move away from this. So for example, if a common person like me, who's an, an urban indigenous person with a treaty number, how do I get involved with you? Absolutely. Um, so it's like who I'm trying to get a hold of is also like the uh, the influencers and the leaders of our of our people, right? Uh, the First Nations. So like I'm from Ochapois, and then I would get a hold of you know the the Bandit Council and to be able to uh, implement that value to, towards them and be able to have their nation onboard their memberships to our our systems. It's pretty much it. But just bringing that awareness to be able to uh, um, get into our, our our social media platform decolonize.info we're going to be developing an app with it also um it's a private social media uh platform for us for our people without our, our data being exploited and monetized and to be able to serve those underserved communities like the mental health the two-spirited uh the ones with addictions can actually communicate without having the fear of being exploited in any way Right. Mm. Um, to be able to support our, our, our systems like that, to be able to uh, keep keep following all, all the videos and keep liking and sharing everything that I have. Um, just, yeah, like like I get the leaders involved, I, like absolutely get the leaders involved. And that's that's exactly where where like I would like to start. You know, I was telling my team here, uh, the company here, the Colonist Capital, you know. No, no, no other corporate. Uh, entities gonna tell us how to govern our our company because we move not like in a in a non-traditional corporate way. We're not we're not that traditional that, that way. I'm not looking for VCs funding or anything like that towards them. I'm looking for my people to be able to have that support from the community. And that's really where I'm uh, my perspective a lot of things are and to be have my people behind me with this company and to be able to get our systems actually implemented. You know it's it's with truth and reconciliation like it 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 it's it gets so exploited a lot and then with the 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 misconception of how how they they think that we should like how truth and reconciliation looks like from a non-traditional perspective like if you, to me i think they should give us a lot of more like you said revenue sharing uh power decisions you know there's five big banks in canada and you all sit at the seats right and then what they do is they make money off of our businesses but yet once you give us a give us a seat also so we have a, a chance to be able to have a voice out there right that's unlike that's li likely not going to happen so what we need to do is create our own systems and create our own world create our own uh self self-governance with with what we have right now and uh, i think that's really a, a big major step forward with with that and to be able to have the community behind me mm -hmm. oh god you're speaking my language i just i i I sometimes get a little discouraged, frankly, when I talk to my own people and they're, we're, de we're dealing with so much internalized racism and a lack of 100%. understanding, right? So to me, it's just so refreshing to hear somebody trying to do the good work to help our people in to be sovereign, because I, I don't think that people understand um, they want us integrated into the Canadian system, which is a form of assimilation, not nation 100%. to nation, like that there's not the words are being said nation to nation they, like you said exploiting reconciliation but the concept and the truth is not there like where we're in the 
the revenue that the banks got, that should go directly, uh, half of that should be directly distributed to this over 600 nations there are in Canada. And yep. it isn't, right? Every oil company. We had the record year ever for fossil fuels in Alberta. There should not be a single person needing health care. There should not be a, a single person needing a home. And yet here we are, we are, we are probably in some of the worst state we've ever had because of like, I, I don't understand how non-Indigenous continually vote for people against helping them. Like, I, I, I will never understand that. And they, they vote for genocide and, and it just, it, I, I can't even try to work within these systems anymore because, because it's purposeful. Like it, it, it's perf, it's willful to be this ignorant. It's willful to not want to be at the table. It's willful to not want to do anti-racism work at this point. It's willful. And it's willful that they won't hold their institutions to account. Like the reconciliation action group I have, like they're working on, you know, name changes for schools. The schools yeah. have no obligation to stop being racist. Same with the police. They have no obligation. We just had, um, the uh, one-year anniversary and vigil and protest for uh, a black fellow from the South Sudanese community that was murdered uh, by police on, in Forest Lawn, and uh, the lack of people that came, all these people who claim to be, you know, hashtag Black Lives Matter, where they where were they on Sunday? They weren't there. And conversely, on February 14th at our um, Valentine's Day march, you know, where were they? Indigenous lives matter, reconciliation matters. I wear an orange shirt. They don't show up and they don't hold their institutions accountable for, for all of this racism and genocide we're experiencing. Like I, I, I can't, I, I don't know how to communicate anymore to non-Indigenous I, I, and even our own people when they don't understand what real sovereignty is. So anyway, yeah, I just support uh, Canagus Manuel and, and her words and what she's saying and uh, the Mohawk, they, they really are, you know, trying hard to talk and educate about sovereignty to their people. So, you know, that I, I want to work with Canadians, but they just don't want to budge. They just want to keep being racist and, and sexist and gendered violence and not change your systems in any capacity. And I like, I, I'm sorry, but an hour a year of some kind of education that's not cutting it. That's not systemic racist changes that we need in order to, you know, stop our children to be apprehended, to give us proper health care, to, you know, be equal in justice and equal in sovereignty, equal in, in governance. Like we're, we're not any, we're not having those conversations. Worse, we have our premier is amplified over revisionist history. That is, is completely yeah. untrue. And so anyway, I, I really applaud what you're doing. Is there anything else that you'd like to add and tell us about how to get a hold of you or, or how to work with you? I, I obviously follow you on TikTok. Um, any other social medias that we should be aware of? Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely the, uh, the accounts decolonize.capital, uh, TikTok and Instagram, uh, Brown Eagle, um, just on uh, my Facebook. And uh, yeah, just like I, I hear you and I, I definitely share your frustration with you know we don't we don't speak up enough in our violence our violence our voices uh a lot more silent you know and why do we have to voice our 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 cries and our our help to you know these politicians like we can we can create our own 
uh, powers, we can create our own environments uh, to be able to help other people, right? Yeah. And it's it goes a long way with with this colonial system of you know the welfare system, the foster care system, the prison system, right? And we're so conditioned and normalized to be able to be dependent on these Canadian colonial systems, right? And to be able to, you know, it's it's definitely an uphill battle too with with what I'm doing, but you know, I'm I'm still plugging that away. I've got some thick skin, I'm very determined, and uh, to be able to to get you know the community behind me and to be able to get you know the right people behind me as an ally and to be out there all the voices because once our voices are heard and you know starts echoing people are going to catch on and they're gonna they're gonna see what's what's happening right it's not just going to be you know exploiting uh reconciliation and and our children you know we got to bring our children back home yes. and to be able to end this this these birth alerts like this is still happening it's insane right and and you know we have, it's... We have residential school survivors still alive you know still being shut shut down with their voices and that's totally unacceptable totally unacceptable so to be able to have those those voices uh, with with us, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Yeah, you and me both, my friend. Well, I'm so grateful to have you on. Thank you. We'll uh, I'll grab all those uh, um, resources from you, and we'll add them in the preamble when we set out this podcast. And I'm just excited that you're able to explain it to people so that uh, they can follow you and start to learn about what it is you're doing and how we can all you know help each other succeed because. Um, you know, this whole time I'm watching messages from the Bear Clan about them setting up the week and, and it just, it, it, it upsets me so much that we have like this small committed group of people doing so much volunteer work 24 seven, because these systems are so committed to failing us, you know, and, and it's not okay. It's, it's, uh, we need immediate change and, and the pandemic was hard on everybody but it was so much harder on our people and the lack of understanding of that, right? Like my brother, he's been out of work for months now and he's like you visibly indigenous. You know, I, I guess I got some of my dad's genes that I have uh, lighter eyes and like, I have dark skin compared to other people, but you know, not like, you know, black hair anymore. I got gray hair so I can dye it fun colors. So I, I can pass a bit more, but for folks who are visibly Im- indigenous, you know, it, it's just not okay. It's, and even for me, when I try to pretend like I'm like white passing, I'm not, I'm still followed in stupid Walmart and over-policed. It sucks. I just, I can't even explain to people how crappy racism and sexism is on a, on a daily basis. So when I'm looking for solutions, you're bringing them and I'm going to start including that in uh, more of our conversations about governance and economic sovereignty for doing this work. And uh, you're welcome on. And you said that you're developing an app. So when that is done, we will promote the crap out of it on the podcast as well and go from there. So thank you so much for being on the show Rich. today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I was telling you, I have this ridiculous um, exit. So if you have any resources that you want to add, please don't hesitate. I'm proud that this podcast has given solutions and cultural safety training and cultural first aid and all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous people of color, those with disabilities, and 2SLGBTQ to speak. Thank you, author Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, and Alicia Fritkin of heretohelp.bc.ca of what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it. One of our leading women just put out um, a really great piece on allyship, um, Lynn Gere, and I shared it on my socials. Like At this point, you can't not Google how to be a good ally and not get a million resources because it is still Black History Month. 
And the black community has a ridiculous amount of information on anti-racism. And if you can't see it, like I, I don't, I can't imagine how bad your algorithms are that you can't see any indigenous and black voices. Uh, their work in that cultural action tool is um, part of real work of reconciliation, settler understandings. I'm just lucky enough to highlight and repeat them here. Um, my last two episodes on Nathan Chasing Horse and uh, reporting for victims has definitely brought out all that lateral violence and internalized racism. I don't take it personally when people say, oh, she shouldn't be speaking on these things, blah, blah, because I know what that is. It's structural racism. And it's a lot easier to attack each other than it is to actually work on self. And I have given this for all of my episodes. I'm going to give it one more time. If you are struggling with somebody's lateral violence, learn about what internalized racism is. Because one, you can understand where they're coming from. And two, see that this isn't for you to internalize and to take in. So if you go to racialequitytools.org, uh, Donna Bevins has put out some amazing resource tools. And one of them is what is internalized racism? It's a read. Like, read it. Why not? What, why attack each other? The energy it takes to attack each other should be put into helping Brown Eagle, should be helping our people, should be helping Bear Clan. So if you, you have, you know, if you're sitting and, and having negative thoughts about this person or this person, the time that you are doing that should be spent reading so that you're not attacking your own people, so that you're working on yourself, so that you're working at being a better person to help our youth succeed. Um, do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by American Friends Service Community Committee. Sorry. Um, so you're on the sea train and you see a Muslim or an Indigenous woman being harassed. What do you do? If you go to the do's and don'ts for bystander intervention, you can learn how to deal with some of these things. AFSC.org. Um, I have to bring it up again because. Somebody called the police that led to the death of our South Sudanese brother. So if you are determined to call the police, call Bear Clan, call um, Walls Down Collective here in Calgary, because you could kill someone by calling police. You could kill somebody by not intervening yourself. Go to this, you know, bystander intervention, Google it, empower yourself rather than calling the police because they're just going to kill us. And we need you to understand the gravity of that. Um, worse, if we do call the police, they steal our children because they already want their, their continuing genocide. They just want us dead. So if you are calling the police on our own people, please know you are committing genocide. You are absolutely participating. Empower yourself to not call 911. Empower yourself to learn about other coping tools. Be trauma-informed. Indigenous have been talking about these issues, sharing our reports and uh, sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, and public hearings just to be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. I don't know how you're all voting for Daniel Smith, but if you are, please self-reflect on why. Um, if they don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus, if they're cutting violence prevention programs, um, indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities, know that your vote to those parties 
directly negatively impact marginalized people demand that they implement the TRC's calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal People, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, welfare reform they come out yearly, like yearly. And, and it's so frustrating because our people are dying in the system and Canadians are like totally okay with it because it's not their children. Um, Violence prevention, 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on MMIWG2. We just had the march and we certainly did not see the numbers come out. It wasn't that cold. It wasn't that snowy. So I don't know what your excuse was this year. I, I just don't. I'm so tired of trying to explain this. Like even after you read this, our guest today talked so eloquently about how awful child services is. That is throughout the MMIW report. If you had read the MMIW report, you would know that why this is something we're saying today. People keep talking about things in the past. Those things matter because that structural racism was created, but they're affecting us today. And that's why it's ongoing genocide. Provincially in Alberta, the Kenny government created 113 pathways to justice. So all the blue voters should be holding those MLAs to account. Most MLAs that I know don't even know what I'm talking about when I say, hey, what about the 113 pathways to justice report? They don't even know what I'm talking about. Follow the new Premier's Council on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls work. Municipally, we have the White Goose Flying Report. I called out City Council on at, when I was lucky enough to have the mic. You know, they're not doing this work. My own councillor was looking into his phone like it was in front of like 600 people. So it's not like, you know, I'm lying. <laughs> there were witnesses. Uh, denying this re these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing this uh, genocide, this racism and educational justice, health institutions, with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they literally have zero business running. It should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs, your local community associations, Association. There are tons of articles on how Canadians can become allies to Indigenous people. Stephanie Harp and I had an emergency podcast over the winter to, in the hopes we could get our allies to write about the crisis that we're facing. And um, yep, my counselors confirmed they didn't even see my emails that I had sent. So that's where we're at, people. I don't know. And I know my allies did not send emails because they certainly aren't putting them out publicly. Um, I'll, I'll blah, blah. So if you're following Bear Clan, you'll see uh, we post a lot of missing people. You can also go to aboriginalalert.ca. You can also go to the Missing Children Society of Canada. You can download their app. Uh, there's a great report that came out of um, womenshomelessness.ca. Demand the urgent action to protect the lives of Indigenous women, girls, two-spirit, and gender-diverse people experience homelessness. People do not understand. He is a child of this. Like, th this is the problem. And a lot of our women are homeless because after they lose their children, that why, why would you want a will to live anymore? Jesus, that every barrier is up against you. Um, this government is just failing us at every level, including the drug crisis. Um, if you are using substances, please do not use alone. 
if you are losing a loan or using a loan, you can call the National Overdose Response Service to create a safety plan for you using a loan. It's at 888-688-NORS, and you can download the Brave and Doors app. I believe in harm reduction. We are there to help you in any way. Everyone should have a Narcan kit every or a naloxone kit. Naloxones are free for anyone. Just go to a pharmacist, get the naloxone kit. If you are a First Nation person, you can go and set up a relationship with your pharmacist and get a Narcan a day. And I, I get them every single day in hopes they save a life. One life, it's worth it. it, it we're, we're living a genocide because we have these Christian-imposed jails that are now so-called mental health facilities. We, we need people to understand the gravity of how it's just continuing this genocide. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talked about, you can call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 855-242-3310. They also have a website, hopeforwellness.ca, with a little text box. Uh, if more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can call 844-413-6649. Also, if you're non-Indigenous, you can call uh, 211 or a distress center line in your area or 833-456-4566. You can go to crisisservicescanada.ca for more. And if you're a 60 Scoop survivor in Alberta, you can go to ssisa.ca. Uh, the following are two SLGBTQ2S uh, crisis support lines. So you can go to lifevoice.ca lifevoice for tons of these resources. The Trans Lifeline is 877-330-6366. The Trevor Project um, Youth Line is 866-844-7386. Violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. This is self-care, how I take my power back, because back to sovereignty, this is media sovereignty. I am not funded by the Canadian government or some other grant that can pull my funding based off the fact that I tell you Canadians are racist. So that's why when I say, if you can donate, that would be appreciated, because I'm not reliant on any of these colonial constructs that make you, you know, dance monkey dance. These hoops are ridiculous. Um, I started this podcast to speak freely, without interruption, tone policing, leadership shaming, gaslighting questions. So many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell us theirs, even though if they know nothing about us, nothing about colonialism, the constant surveillance of our people, protests, vigils, and rights. I and many others share all the time, so it's unacceptable anymore. Learn about being trauma-informed. People like me are dealing with internalized racism and gatekeepers. Folks that survive off the status quo, people who are in their trauma, and they stop people from doing the work and deplete uh, personal resources. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for me, Indigenous people, folks with disabilities, QT, BIPOC, and others. I want to say Masi Cho to my ancestors, to my granny, my mom, of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian roots and stepping up and teaching me how to be a proud Calgarian. It's through her, I am a second generation Calgarian. Thank you to my husband, Darcy, for you know producing, editing this show. He has been my childhood friend, my, my husband, the father of our child and support down my journey of the red road, witnessing decades of racism and sexism. And to our child, 
We are blessed to learn from you daily. We are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. My hope is my family will be proud in the future of us discussing these present day issues. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you could send in your comments or questions. I also have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. I also put up a birthday wish to go to Ottawa on May 4th. So if you'd like to make a one-time donation, you can do that too. I want to end by giving side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin responded, are you being my dish? Thank you so much folks for listening.